when we fight, it's not usually the topic of what we're fighting about. It's something underneath there. And so that's where I have to get to a place where I either say, you know what, this actually doesn't matter. Why are we even fighting? Or what did I do? How can I quickly repent and figure out my part? Or how can I pray if he's not sensing a need to repent immediately? And so I, he always says, he always says I, that I sick God on him because we're, we just... We process differently. This is not going where it <laughs> should have gone. Well, howdy. Welcome to the uh, Real Marriage Podcast. Uh, my name is Mark Driscoll, and with me is... Grace Driscoll. My best friend since March 12th, 1988. And uh, we did a uh, marriage retreating conference. We did some main stage sessions, and then we did some impromptu uh, Q&A before a live audience, which was like juggling grenades with a pen pulled. <laughs> and, uh, and we had a particular question that you're going to hear in today's episode. And that is, uh, how do we reconcile conflicts when you disagree, when, when you can't come to a resolution? What, what could you do? What should you do? What should you not do? Thanks for joining us for the Real Marriage Podcast. One, two, three. Here we go. So my wife and I have been married for 13 years and recently came back to church for the first time together as a couple. How do we integrate God into our marriage to have an even better relationship with one another and God simultaneously? That's an amazing story, and we want to honor that publicly. And uh, I always say that uh, the how, excuse me, the want to precedes the how to. Ninety percent of Christian growth is just wanting to. The ten percent is figuring out how to. And so where they're at, I would just encourage you, they may not know this, they're 90% of the way there. Because they have the want to. They're like, I want to get closer to the Lord and have him in our relationship. You're in the red zone, you know? And so now it's just figuring out the how-to. And the good news is when it comes to the how-to, God has a lot of tools and not a lot of rules. You know, and so what I would say is find couples in the church, and if you're here at James River, you are at one of the greatest churches on planet Earth. I, I believe that. Um, I wouldn't be here when it's seven degrees unless it was incredible. <laughs> I just wouldn't, um, even though Andy's is nearby. So, um, but at the end of the day, look for couples that you see that you sense the presence of the Spirit of God in their midst. And you see the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And you see the fruit of the Spirit in their midst. And just ask them, what are your tools? What do you guys do? And don't copy anyone, but just be looking for wise counsel and good advice. There's lots of tools. Just find one that works for you. Uh, but for this couple, even the fact that they ask the question, if they just keep doing that, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Such a great answer. Yeah, I wish we would have done more of that in the beginning of our marriage and really sought out those things because we struggled more because we didn't. Um, but there's so many helpful resources and something we do too is the EXO marriage platform. And there's so many godly married couples on there. So just find one that fits your style. You're going to get godly counsel. Um, and there's podcasts, there's books, there's all kinds of things with Pastor Jimmy Evans on that site. And he wrote a 52-week um, marriage devotional called One. And that's just a great place to start as well if you want to do something together where you're in the Word and it's intentional and you study it for the week. You study a section of Scripture for the week and just give input to each other what God's talking to you about through that. Um, but that's, that's a great tool as well. Yeah. 
Lots of great resources. Um, okay, a little bit of a personal question here, if you guys are okay with that. How, Mark, how do you and Grace reconcile your fights? Or maybe after you fight, how do you make up? Uh, can you give an example of one that you worked through? So, there you go. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> When's the last time we fought? You can be honest. I mean, not totally last honest, week. but you can be. Last week? Okay. Here, I always say I have a conscience and it lives in grace, so I gotta check. Um, <laughs> So our last fight was last week. I don't even remember what it was about. What did we fight? When, would, when did we fight? What did we fight about? He got upset for no reason. That's a perspective. That's, that's a perspective. Maybe not a fact. I got upset. Okay. Well, I can't ask what did I get upset about because apparently I had no reason to be upset. <laughs> How do we, where were we? What were we doing? At home. We usually fight like right before bedtime because we're downloading from the day and then something frustrates you. That's something. Okay. <laughs> okay. We'll be back at you guys in a minute. All right. So, <laughs> what I get frustrated about is I don't want to download before yes, bedtime. That would be, yes. Because at the end of the day, she's like, okay, let's talk about everything. I was like, no. <laughs> I already lived it. I don't want to revisit the crime scene. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> Rub my neck. I'm going to snore. That's all I got left on my to-do list. Amen? Right? Like amen? Okay. But Grace wants to. I have to get everything off my mind. So and then you I put it on my mind. <laughs> See, this is what happens. <laughs> yeah. And we usually, unfortunately, resolve it the next day. <laughs> so, did I apologize? <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> okay, all right. So, would you say that you are a more joyful person and I can be a more grumpy person, more complicated? Yeah. Okay. okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Good. So, um, we have no idea what the answer is to this question. <laughs> uh, I used to want to resolve every argument right away. Like, we got to talk about this now. We got to resolve this. We got to. And he's a verbal processor, and sometimes that's. And I didn't understand that what that even meant for a while because I was raised in a passive. But I turned home. it into a career. Yes, it works great. Yeah. <laughs> so really, honestly, it's understanding each other in the moment of the fight and what is actually going on underneath the fight. So when we fight, it's not usually the topic of what we're fighting about. It's something underneath there. And so that's where I have to get to a place where I either say, you know what, this actually doesn't matter. Why are we even fighting? Or what did I do? How can I quickly repent and figure out my part? Or how can I pray if he's not sensing a need to repent immediately. And so I, he always says, he always says I, that I sick God on him because we're, we just, we process differently. This is not going where it <laughs> should have gone. This is not. No, we process no, differently. We're going to meet with the Lindells after this. We need help. We need help. So whatever you had, just clear your calendar. We're going to be in your office after this. 
Because you pray for me when I'm not repentant too. So what Grace will do, she used to argue with me, I'm difficult to argue with. Okay? So then she would pray for me and the Holy Spirit would attack me. That's what she does. So I assume Grace would recommend that tactic. Yeah. I do, but I was, I had a lot of pride to deal with. So I, now I think we, we do actually handle things more quickly. We don't let things um, simmer as long. And so we, um, we usually just try and pray through, even if we're upset with each other, we try and pray so that we're at least not letting the enemy divide us further. And if we have to wait a little while to resolve it, that's okay. Um, we need to process out what our part is. And then, and then we come back together and say, okay, these are the things that we've thought through. These are the things that the Lord is asking us to actually deal with versus our emotions in the matter and, and then we talk it through and then we move on. Just two things that help, not, not that they've worked, but just to share them as hypothetical possibilities. Um, a couple of things, we do a shared calendar and part of our, our grinding used to be with five kids in ministry and sports. It's just some of it was very practical, just like, okay, I didn't know we're doing that. Who's, do, who's picking up the kid? Like it was just, sometimes the grinding was just very practical. So we had to go to one shared calendar. And then what we started doing is we had to do what I call a sync meeting where we get together and we go through the calendar and the issues and the holidays and the practical stuff. Because when we don't do that, guess what we do on our date night? We're doing a staff meeting, which is the least romantic thing you could possibly do on a date night. And so we kind of have a very unromantic time to just get all the practical figured out. So but you love that so much because you are organized. And so you love sitting down and getting that all fleshed out. And I didn't understand that. So I would just randomly ask you questions throughout the day. Oh yeah, bedtime, back to that. <laughs> She'd be like. So she would just throw things out whenever she was thinking about them. It's like three in the morning. Oh no. You know, she'd just roll over and be like, what should we do about my mother's housing? I'm like, we're not doing this right now. We're not doing this. So for us, organizing life so that we have segmented time to actually deal with things that are practical, things that are personal, and things go better for us when we go for walks. I know you can't do that in Missouri. I was outside. Do not do that. Holy smokes. I walked from the car in and I almost needed CPR. It was a situation. But it's nice in Arizona, so we'll go for walks and hold hands, and that's where we just talk and verbal process and catch up. And sometimes with the kids and stuff, we just need to get out of the house, get away from the technology, and get that time. So um, you're gonna get frustrated with each other. And at the end of the day, I'm gonna talk about bitterness and forgiveness tomorrow, that bitterness is really where you don't work it through and the enemy gets a foothold. I was gonna share this tomorrow, but Satan and demons are never forgiven and never forgiving. And if you decide you're not gonna forgive, you're inviting demonic torment into your marriage. Because just like we travel in cars, demons travel in bitterness. That's their vehicle. That's why Jesus, excuse me, that's why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven you. Dig up the root of bitterness and you know, get rid of all bitterness and don't give the devil a foothold. And so, you know, a lot of times in the past where I, I would get very, hurt and if I get hurt, I can be very bitter and resilient and then demonic torment comes and it makes it worse and worse and worse. And that's been our experience for sure. 
and I love you, and I'm sorry that I was grumpy at bedtime, <laughs> and I forgive you for talking at bedtime. <laughs> uh, we, we fixed it, we healed it. You'll have you know. to forgive me again, because I'm sure I'll do it again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a very insightful answer, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, we're going we're gonna to do one more here. And the good news is we have more Q&A planned for tomorrow. So make sure you keep texting in those questions. But so appreciative of Mark and Grace doing this. And uh, how many of you are enjoying the Q&A so far? Super, super helpful. Um, but I think this last question is a good one, especially in light of the content from session one. This, this uh, gentleman writes in, I want to lead my family, but when I try, I feel resistance from my wife and kids. What would you suggest to overcome that resistance? First, as a man, the, the best way to become the leader is to repent. That you haven't been. As opposed to saying, I'm here now. They're like, well, where were you? Say, let me start by saying, I'm sorry I wasn't there. And I'm asking you to forgive me for not being there. And I know that uh, trust is earned. And my hope, prayer, and goal is to earn trust by being there going forward. How many of you, your dad would have changed the whole trajectory of your family if he just said stuff like, I'm sorry, it was my fault? We, a lot of wives just got healed. Uh, amen. So sometimes a man shows up and he's like, I'm going to do it right. Well, sometimes if you've been doing it wrong, by acknowledging and repenting and owning that you did it wrong, you may, you may earn the right to have an opportunity to try and do it right. And so, um, and the best thing you, need, you can be doing is, I, I like to ask a lot of open-ended questions with grace, with the kids. How are you doing? How can I pray for you? What are you thankful for? Uh, is there anything I can help with? Is there anything you need? Is there any burden I can lift? I'll just ask a question and I'll leave, leave awkward silence. And even with the kids, it's like anything I can be praying for, awkward silence. If they give you something, just stop and pray. And what you're doing now, you're starting. And it doesn't matter where you start as long as you start. And sometimes the reason, men, that there is resistance your wife, your kids, they really want you to be emotionally, spiritually present. You've not been. Now, if you show up and you say, I'm gonna start now, they're afraid that you're gonna start and then stop and they're gonna have tremendous loss. So they're gonna test you. If I push back, are you still gonna pursue me or are you gonna walk away? And so those moments are not rejection, they're tests. And if you pass the test, then sometimes the door opens and you get access to the heart. But if you feel rejected and walk away, they say, that's why I didn't open the door because I knew you would walk away. And it's a test because they felt rejected and they're testing if the rejection is going to come with, a, uh, with, the, with the lack of response. How about for a wife if she's like, I've been, a lot of times women are like, I've been praying that my husband would read the Bible and pray and lead and then he starts and she's like, I'm not sure I like this. Yeah, I mean, we're supposed to be a helper. And I think in those situations, um, that can really come out if you really actually want your husband to change. It's, it's nice to say that because the Bible says that, but then sometimes when they change, like you said, it's you don't want the change in your family because it alters your control of the family that you've had. And so um, I think as a woman, you need to repent if there's anything in you that has resisted that. If there's not, that's okay. But um, and, and ask him how you can help him in that. 
um, because God has asked him to lead your family and you wanna help him best do that because that's his role that God has given him and you need him to be able to lead you and the kids well. And there's gonna be a margin of error in that if he's just starting to figure that out and you need to give grace in that process. Just like we don't always know how to submit right away and it can be uncomfortable and it can feel um, off to us. But when we're working together under God's um, leadership, then it's the best place to be. It's the safest place to, to be. It's the most amazing um, union that God has created. And so um, in that, just yeah, ask him how you can help be a helper in that, um, to encourage him. Men need a lot of encouragement. They need you to be a cheerleader. Um, and I didn't understand that with Mark all the time because he got a lot of kudos from a lot of people, but my encouragement meant the most because he wanted the closest relationship with me, rightly so. And so me encouraging him was huge. And when I didn't encourage him or when I discouraged him, it was very hurtful to him. Even though he's tough, it was hurtful to him because he cares the most about me. And so we need to kind of understand as women the, the power that we hold and that we need to um, use that wisely and ask the Lord, okay, Lord, this is hard but how can I come alongside and help him know, encourage him in his leadership um, of me and the kids and be willing to talk through it with each other, you know, and laugh about it if it didn't work or whatever. I mean, don't, don't take it overly seriously, but. And one thing comes to mind too, buddy, and just maybe close to this. So sometimes you think, okay, I'm gonna lead my family. The way you lead your family is one person at a time. And so if you're looking at your kids, like, how do I lead my kids? Like, we got five kids. Our kids are all different ages. They're different personality temperaments. They're different places of maturity and development. And so really, you know, to, to be a good, and I'm not saying I'm the world's greatest dad to five kids. I love them with all my heart and I'm proud of every one of them. Um, but at the end of the day, it's getting to know each kid and walking with each kid. And so if you're a dad and you've got like a wife and kids, I wouldn't be dealing with them all the time as, you're gonna love them as a group, serve them as a group, but it's that one-on-one. -on -one. It's grabbing your daughter and saying, what would you like to do today? Do you wanna to go to tea? You wanna go play card games? You wanna to go to the coffee shop? You wanna, what do you wanna do? And, and then go into her world and spend the day. And then get to know her and pray for her and love on her and encourage her and bless her. And then ask your son, what do you wanna do? And then get in his world, it's gonna be different. And if you'll start to take that investment time for each member of your family, what you will find is they're probably all not going to turn if you've not been leading at the same time. But this one will come around and say, hey, I feel close to dad. And then what they're gonna do, they're gonna talk about the one that's a little more skeptical. Well, how was your day with dad? Oh, it was fun. He was present, didn't answer his phone. We had fun, he was generous, he prayed for me. I had fun. Hey, do you wanna hang out with dad? They're like, okay, I'll try. And so what you're doing, you're, you're, you're earning trust kind of one member of the family at a time. And sometimes if you've not been president or leading as the husband and the father, if you deal with them as a group, you're gonna get all the difficulties of the group dynamics. But if this kid warms up, then they can tell this kid, and maybe this kid warms up, and then they tell this kid, and maybe that kid warms up. And one at a time, you're starting to build the relationship. Because you don't have, like, I, I can't have a relationship with five kids. I need to have five relationships with five kids because they're all just really different. They're going through different stuff and they need their dad in different ways. 
We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Real Marriage Podcast. Subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen. If you enjoy this podcast, leave us a five-star review. We love to hear how this podcast encourages and helps you.